Off the Ball Daily. A home for your favourite podcasts from Off the Ball. The performance rankings, you had to be there, the crappy quiz, and a slight tangent. Does that count? (laughs) (laughs) Subscribe to the Off the Ball Daily podcast feed right now. The News Round on Off the Ball. With Gillette Labs. Get the ultimate shave with your money back. Neon Night Edition, available now. All right, you're welcome along. It is Thursday's Off the Ball. Nathan with you this evening. It has been a landmark day for the FAI as they launched their new facility investment vision and strategy. They are looking for a huge investment over the next 15 years, 863 million euro to modernise facilities and to raise standards across football in Ireland. We'll talk to Dan McDonald about that. We'll hear from Jonathan Hill and Roy Barrett of the FAI as well. That coming up after nine o'clock uh, tomorrow. Bit of a landmark day in tennis as Carlos Alcaraz and Novak Djokovic clash for the first time in a Grand Slam at the French Open. Caitlin Thompson will be with us after eight to talk about that. We'll have John Giles at half past seven reflecting on Manchester City's FA Cup final win and of course looking ahead to the Champions League final on Saturday night. And after eight, live drama, the decision in studio Ross Bulger is a leash footballer who is heading to America American college football he has been offered scholarships from division one teams and he's going to make his decision live on the show tonight will it be Boston College or will it be Idaho where which cap will he put on Will O'Callaghan you've given that the appropriate levels of hype yeah well considering he got his picture taken with the Irish flag on in the Idaho State colours while himself and Tide Leader were in the States over the last few weeks don't ruin it I would hedge my bets he's going to go that direction but Boston College are there as an option you've been selling this to me for weeks that the decision is live and you're like well I'll tell you exactly where he's going based on what I've seen well I was about to say it looks like he's edging that way but there's been an offer which has come in from Boston College apparently there's 12 offers in all that he's had from Division 1 teams and there's a couple of Irish guys who are currently in the college football system but for Tig Leader who people are probably aware was an out half with the Connacht Academy played for the USA after a few years playing in Major League Rugby he switched in recent years to being an American football punter and Ross Bulger is one of his first students that he took in at the tail end of last year and you might remember the video of Ross Bulger which was doing the rounds on the internet earlier this year TikTok particularly when he was at Pace University trying out for them and he was clocking 75 metres off either foot so he's ambidextrous uh, which apparently gives a big advantage if you're a punter in American football because it makes it very difficult to set up the field position if you can kick with either foot into either corner so it seems he's a versatile kicker he can both do field goals and punting so he'd be useful across special teams and I think that's the reason he has these Division 1 offers and as you say he's going to announce who he signed for in about an hour's time So Ross Bulger and Tig Leader in studio after 8 o'clock this sets the precedent that as he moves up through the ranks he comes to us every time right? I presume if he ever gets to the NFL we have the exclusive if that happens that's, given that's that he's uh, coming in here to make the announcement but I don't know look apparently we're talking to Tig Leader a little bit over the last few days he's saying that there have been a lot of players because they've seen the social media clips who play rugby and Gaelic football who've got in contact with him about potentially trying to get a scholarship in the US uh, it's been a very rapid rise, I think it's fair to say, for Ross Bulger. So we'll talk about all that and uh, the next steps for his career. And maybe if you're listening in and you fancy doing it, uh, Tyke Leader let you know how to get involved. Richie McCormick, good evening. Gents, how are you? 53106 is the text number if you want to get in touch. So I said it's been a bit of a landmark day for the FAI. I think properly getting their house in order with a very comprehensive strategy as to how they feel they can develop football in Ireland over the next 15 years with the right and correct amount 
of government funding and not just government funding, but funding from a whole range of different stakeholders that they feel will bridge the gap that has built up over the last 20 years with the other major sports. They look at the sports capital and equipment program since the year 2000. The GEA have received 431 million euro. The FAI have received 188 million euro. So it is a sizable gap when football is by far and away the most participated sport in the country. Uh, there's a lot in this, Richie. It covers mm. everything from <clears throat> grassroots through to the women's game, through to League of Ireland and international football. They're looking for 426 million for grassroots, 390 million for the League of Ireland, 47 million for international. And they're hoping that it would work out that the government would give them in or around something it's like... 516, I thought was the number I saw for it. Over the course of the, uh, the 15 years. The 15, 15 years. years. Um, yeah. So about 50 million a year through a range of different programs. Uh, there is a bit of this, Richie, I think, that is, you know, shoot for the stars, you might land on the moon type thing. But I yeah. think it puts them in a position that there's now finally a plan. And Dan McDonald, when we were talking earlier, was making the point that often if you're going head to head or when the funds are being divvied out, that actually the FAI weren't even in the room for many years. Like they didn't have a plan at, at this level. So it's a right start. It's the FAI going out to bat. I know a lot of people, the second they hear it, the FAI and money will raise their eyes to heaven and go, why would you give them anything? Uh, yep. But I think they outline in this the great, <clears throat> great good that they do at a lot of levels in Irish mm. society that needs to be recognised. The amount of people that are coming into the country, that football is going to be their first sport and that they need the funds to enable that. And I have to say, I think it's uh, quite impressive. Yeah, much like that document where they were outlining their issues with the, the betting levy, all of it makes sense. I, I don't think there's there's many holes that can be picked in, in either document, particularly in this uh, this one, because, I mean, you just have to look at facilities. Like, a case in point, if I throw a stone 50 yards to my left as I sit, uh, you come across Kilmore Celtic, whose clubs have to play in what is uh, essentially uh, one of the kids' pitches is in a schoolyard. Um, in the kind of grass area there, and and everybody knows that clubs up and down the country are changing in, um, are changing in like you know porta cabins and uh, containers and stuff like that, and that that's been the norm. And the thing about it is that shouldn't be the norm. There's there's far too much of Irish football that we've come to accept as being just as it is for so long that just shouldn't be the case and should never have been the case. And people should strive for better. And I think this is what the FBI is doing today. Like these documents aren't sexy. They're not bringing major finals or whatever to, you know, the Aviva Stadium. And that's exactly what the FBI should be doing and should have been doing for donkey's years. Uh, this is where they should have been at. And if nothing else, this is a, a line in the sand and it's a marker point either for future iterations of the FAI or for future governments to look back on and measure how far they've come against this document and where the game is now because as Roy Barrett gets to in the, point, in, the, in, the, in, the in the piece I'll play in a minute the population is booming uh, to the degree that's going to increase by a fifth in the coming years it's a population that's skewing younger as well so it does need facilities and none of the facilities like none are up to snuff not the international teams not the League of Ireland teams not the grassroots teams and I know you made, made that point there that people raise their eyebrow in terms of FAI and money people need to get over that now um, and I know that's a lot for people to do, but the FAI isn't going anywhere. Like, who else is organising football across mm. the country? No one. No one else is going to step into that breach. Nothing's going to change the past 
you can only move forward with this type of thing. And that document that's been released today at least affords the association and the country as a whole uh, something of a framework within which to move forward. Well, football in this country has always been a lot more than John Delaney. And while the remnants of that era are probably outlined within this report, it is time to start moving on. And the numbers not surprising but still quite shocking that like 55% of clubs don't own their own facilities and rely on leases and the knock-on effect of that is half of the leases are for less than 15 years which means that a quarter of the clubs in the country can't apply for any government funding because you need to have a lease of at least Mm. 15 years in place so they simply have no way of actually going about improving their lot if you look at the various UEFA standards Ireland is short around a thousand full-size grass pitches Never mind 4G pitches, grass pitches. Uh, And then as we look at the explosion around the women's game, a lack of basic female-friendly facilities to cater for the 34,000 women and girls who are currently playing. They expect that to grow to more than 50,000 in the next three years. 38% of clubs don't offer female-friendly toilets at all. And then you're into the scenario as well where there are more limited training facilities. More clubs want to expand. They just don't have the room to do it. So that's... On the grassroots side of it, there's a League of Ireland scenario where they're looking at uh, expanding stadiums, more modern stadiums. You look at the amount of stadiums that have been built around Europe in recent years, and Ireland are just miles behind. They're one of, what, 12 European countries not to have built a stadium in the last 15 years. You've been to some of these stadiums. Actually, I think we kind of marvel at somewhat. Like, was it Luxembourg who had this lovely, nice, yeah. compact, was it mm. eight or 9,000 seater, I think, but it was nice and modern. And even the idea of every League of Ireland, the aspiration within the 15-year plan, is that there would be at least a stand to fit a 1,000 people into it, and then they would scale up based on the size of the club uh, to try and get more all-seater stadia around the league. Well, they're very small steps when you compare them to where the GAA are. So they've outlined the 40 stadiums in the country with the highest potential attendances. At the Aviva Stadium, obviously a football stadium, is second. But then you have to go all the way down to 38 on the list for Tala, which will obviously move up over the next few months as the new stand is open. And then Turner's Cross is the only other one in the top 40 below places like Dubarry Park in Athlone, Park Talshin in Mead, Dr. Cullen Park, uh, Fraher Field in Waterford, all have substantially more room for people to go and watch games. So the plan is to bring lots of stadiums. I think that will be the more difficult bit, the middle ground elite, which is basically around Abbottstown and this, like the analysis for the international teams is done out of a porter cabin out in Abbottstown. And as anyone who's been in Abbottstown recently, it's incredibly impressive uh, the investment that has gone in there across a range of sports uh, but the FAI feel they've been left behind there as well that a lot of the pitches just aren't up to scratch uh, there's not enough 4G pitches there's not enough indoor opportunities so they may well be able to do some work on the international level and you'd feel there's a big swell of support for grassroots it probably is actually that middle ground Richie of the League of Ireland where the biggest Mm. fight might be to get those resources when you look at the issues that every club seems to face when they try and improve their ground yeah, it's every club trying to improve their ground. There's there's different fiefdoms go on within clubs and within areas and, and everything that, that leans towards that as well. The, the, the FAI need to do what other associations have done <clears throat> and realise the power that they have in the numbers that they have playing the game and to parlay that into leaning on politicians and to saying that these are keystone things that need to happen within a constituency within electoral periods. Uh, for them to to actually secure that funding and to really hammer that home. And the second thing is to seek out proper private investment as well, because 
the only time we've really seen private investment in the FAI aside from sponsorship deals and, and the kind of standard stuff is like subsidizing the national manager and that just seems like lunacy looking back on it now uh, probably wasn't wise at the time and, and definitely looking back on it now if, if you're going to get that kind of money have it invested in stuff that has a legacy and you know and players don't just magic from nowhere you need to create a, a sustainable model for them to keep on being created uh down through the years and to basically seek out money wherever you can and to and to use it smartly and, and i know people will say that well obviously there's other areas of society that need cash and the housing crisis and such and such obviously like the government has a 10 million surplus this year 10, 10 sorry 10 billion surplus this year a 16 billion surplus is forecast for next year they have the money for literally all areas of society for housing for the healthcare service for sport and they've been content for far too long in terms of sport to hand out a fiver extra per year per sport uh, I'm being slightly facetious but in terms of the funding that sport gets I think Gavin Comiskey pointed out the the, the model from today's report that we're in terms of funding for sport uh, we're down around the Bulgarias and Maltas of this world mm. in terms of what governments hand out here it needs to be more the government has the money to do these things they just decide not to spend it Something that actually struck me earlier Nathan was that 863 million actually sounds like a fairly small spend over a 15 year period if you take inflation into account and you take the cost of building into account this is a very comprehensive wish list that the FAI have put together where costs are likely to soar over that time as well. I can't imagine there are too many European countries, certainly the ones you're trying to close the gap to, who will be spending less than a billion euro on football over the next 15 years. No, absolutely not. Uh, Get your text in 53106. Get your text in. I'm opening the text lines for anyone who has a negative story about David Moyes. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> Everyone was delighted or pleased last night. Absolutely earlier. delighted for David Moyes, lads. I know the Premier League team should always win the Conference League when you add it all up, but it's a smashing achievement all the same, says James in Dublin. What a love and, there's been for David Moyes. And I don't you know, have anything prob- negative to say about David Moyes, but come on, there's got to be something. Go on, they Richie. probably should have won the Europa League last year as well. Mm, like yeah. that, that, that competition was set up for them to win. You look the two teams in the final... Uh, on another day, I think they probably just ran out of gas last season to a degree and... That's what cost them in the semis. They should have won that competition. For him to get them to a semi, a European semi-final and to win the next European competition that they're in is just remarkable. And I like that little stat now that he has as many trophies since Alex Ferguson's retirement uh, in Europe as Manchester United. Hmm. So congratulations to Mr. Moyes on that front. And who doesn't want to see endless videos of that man dancing? It's just the most charming <laughs> thing in the world. Both the ones I saw are fabulous, particularly when he was doing the uh, Danny Dyer song that the West Ham fans sing. And Moyes had the wherewithal not to sing the last line about Danny Dyer. He was kind of singing the start and then went, oh wait, that's the Jared Bowen song. I better just keep bopping along but not sing it. <laughs> and then obviously he was uh, doing a few Scottish tunes in the dressing room afterwards and Moyes looked particularly delighted a guy who I'd say feels very vindicated because two months ago there were plenty of us who were even I'd say in this studio wondering West Ham are in the relegation trouble now maybe Europe isn't enough and he keeps them up with a decent finish to the season and they win a European trophy and this is exactly what the Conference League was made for I know the Premier League team should win due to their budgets but it's so long since West Ham have won a major trophy and what a night for their many more than 5,000 fans in Prague last night. First first medal for Declan Rice since he won that coveted FAI Under-21 award. <laughs> <laughs> the happy, side by side. Yeah, happy birthday tweet from the FAI award as well. What's, what's the opposite of a teaser? Fair play, Will. <laughs> it wasn't a teaser. It is genuinely I don't know who he's signing for. <laughs> you, you give a strong hint. If, it, if it's Idaho now, 
you're gone. I gave an edge towards what I thought would happen. Lads, must say I'd be as cynical as anyone about the FAI post Delaney, but that report today really ticks every box. Don't want to tempt fate, but it seems like we've got a decent bunch in there now, says Sarah in Galway. Well, I think it's a competent bunch who are putting together plans for the future and ticking a lot of boxes along the way. I think there's a lot of other things that probably there's still major question marks over. But Richie, you want to bring us up to date with the news angle then? <coughs> yeah, the FAI says it will take 863 million euro across 15 years to bring football facilities across the country up to a suitable standard. CEO Jonathan Hill and Chairman Roy Barrett were on hand at Abbottstown to present their facilities and infrastructure vision and strategy document. 60% of that total will be sought via government funding with the remainder coming from local project partners, local authorities and the association itself. The document focuses on three areas, the grassroots of the game, the League of Ireland and the international sides and Barrett believes the funding is necessary to deal with a rapidly changing population. Against the backdrop of you know, a rising population over the next uh, 15, 20 years, um, which which is forecast to be 20% plus uh, or so, uh, against a backdrop where uh, we have a very young population, like 26% uh, of our population are less than 20. Um, um, and against all those things, we have a sport which has been chronically underinvested for a long period of time. Um, if that underinvestment continues, we're going to have all sorts of problems given the growth in, in the sport, the relative size of the sport, and the demographics and the change in the demographics um, would indicate uh, that the demand for football and football facilities is just going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So there's so. Against that backdrop, are we confident uh, that we will get funding? I'm certainly confident that we should get funding. So lots more to come on that after nine o'clock with Dan MacDonald. Uh, so the main talking point around the final group games in the football championship seems to be about the location of Armagh and Galway, Richie. Mm. There's an update. Yeah, the CCCC has rejected a joint request from Armagh and Galway to move their football championship clash to Crow Park. The county's final outing in Group 2 is to be played in Carrick on Shannon on Sunday week. With Pork Sean McDermott only able to hold around 9,000 fans, Armagh and Galway were seeking a larger venue. They did pull in 35,000 to HQ last year for their semi. Yeah, my understanding was that Armagh were driving this. I'm kind of glad that this has been rejected. Yeah. Like, Crow Park... Is there going to be 35,000 there? No. Why not have no. 9,000? And Sean McDermott have it absolutely packed to the rafters, rocking atmosphere, one match, on we go. Or is there not a goalie locks position here where you get a slightly bigger ground than 9,000, but not necessarily Crow Park? Because Crow Park can two reasons. I think Crow Park well, they weren't, they weren't They weren't asking to move somewhere else. They were asking to move to Crow Park. Yeah, but surely there are plenty of other stadia that have got you know, somewhere in the sweet spot between 80,000 where it's going to be more than half full and Carrigan Shannon which is going to be oversubscribed. You're not getting 40,000 for Armagh no, Galway. Not for this stage of the championship I don't think. No, no chance. And, and these are two of the best supported teams in the country but they were travelling to Crow Park because Sam was in sight last year. Mm. It's a totally different scenario when it's the last round of the group stages where they're you know, both still fighting to qualify but at the same time it's not the same as if you're in a knockout game. Uh, the London Irish situation was listened to be AM this morning and one of the players uh, talking about it and it's pretty grim for everybody involved mm-hmm. the IRFU uh, not going to invest it seems it seems anyway the IRFU insisting that they have no plans currently to invest in rugby outside of Ireland it follows the news that they're being kept abreast of the situation at London Irish by the English RFU London Irish owner Mick Crossan has filed for administration after the club were suspended from all tiers of English rugby a botched US led takeover has led to rumours the IRFU could step in but they've told the Telegraph that buying the exiles is not on the cards Uh, Declan Rice 
Here we go. As loyal to the Hammers as he was to Ireland. Loved them so much he had to move on. The gobshite, says John in Limerick. I says his text him like well, that's Kate, the, Kate that's the uh, that's the <laughs> attitude that got rid of him in the first place. That was the sort of stuff Roy Keane was saying. He thought I've had enough of this. How much loyalty do you want out of him? Six straight seasons. He's played pretty much every game in every one of those seasons yeah. for West Ham. He's one of the best midfielders in European football. You just want him to stay there forever the, out of this, loyalty. This is the first time his loyalty has ever been properly tested, and he's gone. No, it's not. His loyalty was tested last season. Teams wanted him last season year. four. Yeah. yeah. Oh, come on, <coughs> give him a break. Lauji <laughs> Air spending twelve million on a new stadium that would be used a handful of mm-hmm. times a year. The councillor government should have built it, leased it to the GA and Dundalk FC. It is a shambles. Uh, I did make that point, and now listen, the funding model behind that stadium, I think, is mm-hmm. slightly uh, unusual. But that now, when decisions have been made about where money's going, that the FAI have put their hand up and made a very good case that if you are going to invest in new infrastructure for the GEA or rugby well actually you're going to have to make that a municipal stadium you're going to have to give us access to that as well Yeah I think that makes perfect sense particularly in the case of Louth where there was talk originally about potentially Leinster putting a, a Leinster ground there when Louth needed a venue and they were looking at the potential cost of doing up uh, Park Talton at the same time and felt uh, maybe a facility just outside Dublin would be the way to go it would make perfect sense from a government point of view to make that municipal and kill two birds with one stone there. Hey lads, can you please say Sport Ireland campus instead of Abbottstown when chatting about the facilities? Abbottstown is just a house in a small townland space in the campus. Many thanks. The marketing team in Sport Ireland campus, <laughs> Blanchestown. <laughs> wow. Amazing. Next thing it'll be, lads, make sure you call it Kingspan Berkeley Park or you'll be in a bit of trouble there. You get a few emails like about that. Right? Uh, so wait a second, Abbottstown is just somebody's house. Well, that's yeah, a bit awkward for them, center, isn't it? Yeah, You're just yeah. getting your taxi out to Abbottstown and... Yeah, as, as, a, as, a head, yeah, as a D15 head... Go on, Richie, head, give us the history. Uh, there is, there is <laughs> has the house been swallowed up by yeah, Sport Ireland campus? Pretty pretty much, yeah. Like, it's as close to... Uh, Cordoff would be the nearest kind of area in terms of um, housing. Uh, that's just across the road when you come out the main entrance there opposite the swimming area, the swimming pool. Um, so, like, it, it, it could easily be called any one of three different areas, but the you know house area is certainly Abbottstown out there, yeah. So why did Abbottstown stick, Richie? Uh, like where anything sticks. It's just the name that people started calling it, and that's and what it ends well, up no being. More, Will, sport, no more, Will. No more. Ireland Campus. It's Sport Ireland Campus. From, yeah. from now till eternity. Uh, Alexis McAllister, done. Yeah, Liverpool made Alexis McAllister their first signing of the summer today. The World Cup winning midfielder joins from Brighton for an initial fee of just €40 million. That could end up being €64 million, depending on various add-ons. McAllister has signed a five-year contract at Anfield. Meanwhile, Liverpool have also bought back their old Melwood training ground, which will now be the home to the club's women's team. Uh, There is news on Declan Rice's future. Yeah, certainly is, as John and Limerick might have uh, alluded to there. Uh, Declan Rice's last game for West Ham appears to be last night's Conference League final. Club owner David Sullivan revealed this morning that they've promised the former Republic of Ireland midfielder he can leave in the summer. Rice is entering the final year of his contract at West Ham in the next couple of weeks and has attracted interest from the likes of Arsenal and Bayern Munich. And Fiorentina have called on UEFA to set an example after their captain was hit on the head by a plastic cup in Prague last night. Cristiano Baraghi needed stitches after it was thrown from the crowd during the first half. Laviola say they strongly condemn the unacceptable behaviour from West Ham fans this was the most the English team had won so we're just going to brush over this entire thing and move on quickly yeah. with our lives mm. it was outrageous mm. 
he was left blood like it was a significant head injury like left bloodied to a really awful degree and needed tending to and there was <clears throat> several cup throwing incidents during that first half and there were other bits and pieces obviously thrown into the pitch area uh, that all followed by and we shouldn't brush over either the fact that there were apparently 30 Fiorentina fans detained by police in Prague so there's crowd trouble before and after the game um, and can't be brushed over just because of what happened and David Moyes is dancing uh, we've Caitlin Thompson coming up after eight, Richie, but it is a quarterfinal, our semifinals day semifinals, on the women's yeah. side. Yeah, Carolina Mukova through to the French Open women's final. The check came from 5-2 and 30 love down in the deciding set to beat second seed Arena Sabalenka 7-6, 6-7, Mukova's maiden Grand Slam final will see her face either Iga Sviantek or Beatrice Hadaj Maya. Uh, Sviantek took the first set of that uh, semi-final six games to two. It's 4-4 in the second. And the 26-year-old Mukova was asked how she pulled off that third set comeback today. I don't really know what happened. Uh... You know, the atmosphere, the people are just pushing me all the matches. It's, it's unbelievable. I, I just try to keep fighting and it worked. I, I really don't know what happened. I'm, I'm so happy. Uh, just time for an update on Rory McIlroy. Yeah, he carded a one-under round of 71 today at the Canadian Open. The defending champion is four shots off. Uh, the joint clubhouse leaders there who are Chess and Hadley, Corey Connors, Justin Lauer and Aaron Ray, all of whom are five under par after rounds of 67. Shane Lowry uh, birdied his second hole, but he has dropped back to one over par through four. Double bogey indeed at the fourth has seen him drop back to one over par. And his uh, uh, first round is ongoing there. Golf Weekly available now quite weak not a lot to talk about not a lot to talk about at all managed to keep it to 90 minutes which I thought was seriously impressive impressive. Uh, offtheball.com forward slash golf (laughs) weekly and Manchester United are going to play in Dublin August 6th they're playing Athletic Bilbao Uh, I have no tickets Richie (coughs) Will has told me he's got a heap of them so if you're looking for tickets (coughs) for that game Will is the man to get on to corporate box I'm sure sure Dermot Keeley is delighted with that news as well uh, (laughs) you're coming to town at least it's a real team they're playing this time wow Uh, we got to leave it there Richie great stuff as always nice lads Will we might be talking later depending on how after 8 o'clock goes with Ross Bulger I hope he's changed his mind the last surprise for everybody real surprise for everybody